Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. Last week, we talked about timing your seed starts for your cool weather crops, and that was based mainly on the last average frost date in spring for your area or your average daily temperatures for you warmer climate folks. But what about the warm weather plants? If you're determined to save some money in the garden this year by starting your own summer crops from seed instead of buying starts from the local nursery, well, then that is fantastic. Keep in mind, a lot of those summer plants take longer to get to the right size for transplanting. So you're going to be growing a lot of these alongside your early spring plants and then continuing to grow them inside after those early plants have already gone out into the ground. If you have limited space for starting plants indoors, which is most of us, the timing and spacing of having all these plants going at once can sometimes become an issue. So you'll need to plan and prioritize. Part of that is knowing exactly when your warm season plants can go into the ground versus when they should go into the ground. There's a difference, and that difference can mean a couple of weeks of leeway in your seed starting schedule. So... Let's talk about the different techniques we can use to determine when to start our heat-loving garden plants. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. Along the way, we'll talk about the food and agriculture issues that affect all of us and dig into topics that many of us may not be aware of. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. Thanks to those of you who've gone out and checked out the updated website. The feedback has been fantastic, so thanks for that. I also want to shout out our newest listeners in Singapore. Super glad that you are here. I want to be sure to invite all our new listeners to feel free and send me a message with any gardening questions you may have. I often do Q&A episodes, and I use your questions to get ideas for future podcast episodes, so feel free to use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message. Find Just Grow Something Podcast on Facebook or Instagram and send me a message there, or shoot me an email from the contact page on the website at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. I would love to hear from you. Now, let's talk about starting the seeds for our summer garden plants. Here is where experience may be the deciding factor for you in your garden, whether you're relying on your own experience or the experience of someone else. Most written planting guides are going to tell you to put your warm weather plants out into the garden about two weeks after your last frost date in the spring. Okay, well... This is where I argue that experience is better than relying blindly on a chart. Let's look at my area, West Central Missouri, for example. 
We are USDA Hardiness Zone 6A, and my particular area has a last frost date of around April 15th to April 18th, which, by this two-week wisdom, would tell me to put my tomatoes and peppers and melons in the ground around April 30th or May 1st. Well, not only have we had frosts after that April 15th date, for sure, but our soil temperatures are not nearly warmed up enough by May 1st to be putting warm weather plants in the ground and expecting them to thrive. They'll survive, for sure, and even if there is a late frost, we can cover them. But these written guides are only concerned with average air temperatures. They don't take into consideration the soil temperatures, but the soil temperatures are just as important for plant growth as the air temperatures, perhaps even more so at the transplant stage for warm weather crops. Soil temperatures should be at a minimum of 60 degrees Fahrenheit for warm weather plants, but in order for the plant to truly do well, the soil should be closer to about 70 Fahrenheit or 21 Celsius. The colder the soil is when you transplant those heat-loving plants, the less able those plants are to take up nutrients, to get established in the new soil, and to put their energy into new growth. So if you jump the gun and you put those plants in too early, they'll just sort of sit there and wait until the temperatures are right before continuing their growth. And a lot can happen in that time to cause damage to those plants and their root systems while they're not fully established. So whereas many gardeners wait too long to plant their spring crops, many plant their summer crops too early. I mean, I get it. We're all anxious to get the season rocking and rolling and our seedlings are overflowing out of our houses and begging to go into the ground. This is partly why timing when to start those seedlings should be based on the optimum soil temperatures and not an arbitrary date on the calendar. And what if you live in an area that doesn't get a frost? How are you supposed to time your warm weather plants? We talked about that last week with regards to our cool weather crops, and I'm not going to leave you hanging here either. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a resource that I use to determine my average soil temperature for any given time of the year. You can use this link if you live in the U.S., but if you're one of my international listeners, I encourage you to do an online search for the average soil temperature at your location. You're likely going to find a university site or a plant research facility or a seed company that's done the tracking for you. This information is going to give you a better idea of when you can put your plants in the ground, and then you can count backwards from there to determine when to start your seeds. So, by going to the link I provide, you can enter your location and then click to see the results from the previous year. The chart is going to show you the actual soil temperatures recorded the previous year for that location, in addition to the 5-year and 10-year averages. This is very handy information. So let's use Fayetteville, Arkansas as our first example. By using the almanac.com frost date calendar from last week's episode that I will link to again in this week's show notes, we would see that Fayetteville has a last average frost date of April 14th. Okay, so by that info, then we should be ready to start planting our tomatoes and peppers by April 28th, two weeks later by most guidance. But if we go to the soil temperature map, 
and check out Fayetteville's average soil temperatures for April 28th over the past 10 years, it's barely 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That's just barely the acceptable soil temperature. Could you plant? Absolutely. Would it be better to wait until the soil temperatures hit 65 Fahrenheit? Absolutely. And that date is May 14th, a full two weeks later. Let's try a different location. How about Des Moines, Iowa? Last spring frost, April 23rd, which would put the planting date at May 7th for that two-week wisdom. But the soil temperatures don't warm up to 65 Fahrenheit until May 22nd on average. Again, a full two weeks later. Why does it matter? Well, first of all, the warmer the soil, the better start the plant will get. We already talked about that. But secondly, spring is often the time of year when we see the most rainfall in climates that have these later frosts, generally zone 7 and cooler. This means the soil stays damp. And that can be helpful once the soil warms up, but cool, wet conditions promote fungal growth and the spread of plant diseases. Verticillium wilt, septoria leaf spot, powdery mildew, stem root and seed rot, and nitrogen deficiencies can all be caused by cool, wet soil conditions. Your plants are going to get a better start if you wait long enough to get those soil temperatures up even by just a few degrees. And waiting a little bit longer to plant those warm season crops is going to have another bonus to you. More room for seedlings in your seed starting area. If you're starting lots of plants for cool weather plantings and still need to start all your warm weather plants, it may be beneficial to have an extra two weeks to get those warm weather plants going. This means you can start them a little later than you thought, which means they won't be competing for space as early. You'll have the cool weather plants out the door and into the garden and still have another four to six weeks for the warm weather plants to stretch out a little bit, which might give you room for more plants. That's always a good thing, right? And finally, if you wait until the weather has settled and your soil temperatures are a bit warmer, you're not going to be worried about checking the weather every night to be sure there's not going to be a late frost. You won't have to keep all the frost cloths and the covers on standby just in case because the threat of a light freeze should be well past by the time the soil has sufficiently warmed up which is way less stressful than worrying about a sudden, unpredicted frost. Now, if your climate doesn't have a frost and you're not concerned with that aspect of growing warm weather plants, you may have a different concern on your hands. Let's use Ocala, Florida, for example. The soil temperatures in Ocala average 65 degrees Fahrenheit or higher by early February, but there shouldn't really be any kind of a rush to get those plants in the ground, right? I mean, with such a long growing season, Floridians should be able to plant warm weather crops at their leisure. Well, not so fast. Let's use tomatoes for an example. The average daytime highs and lows in Ocala, once you get into June, July, and August, are often too warm for tomatoes to thrive. Nighttime temperatures consistently above 75 Fahrenheit can stress tomato plants to the point where they stop producing, at least temporarily, the same way daytime temperatures above 90 Fahrenheit can. So the pressure to plant as early as possible in Ocala may be in order to get a good harvest from the plants before they essentially stall out for three months and then begin producing again in the fall. 
This is just one example, but there are plenty of locations that will need to take into consideration both the average soil temperature and the average air temperature in order to determine the best planting date. So once you've taken all this information into consideration for your area and have made the determination of the best practical planting date for you and your warm weather plants, it's time to count backwards to determine your seed starting dates. So let's grab a calendar and let's go. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So you've got your calendar. Now mark your planting date on your calendar and then count backwards accordingly based on what you're growing. Some warm weather plants take a very long time to get going. Specifically, I'm talking eggplant and hot peppers. Eggplant need about 10 weeks from the time you plant to the time they're ready to transplant. Hot peppers need about the same amount of time, and this is generally due to how long they can take to sprout. Some hot peppers can take as long as three weeks to even germinate, so give yourself plenty of time on those guys. Other heat-loving plants are going to sprout pretty quickly, but they need some time to get those first true leaves and get strong before heading out into the elements. This includes things like sweet peppers and bell peppers that need about eight weeks and tomatoes, which need about six to eight weeks. Other warm weather crops that should be planted sooner after germination rather than later include melons, cucumbers, and any type of squash, including zucchini and pumpkins. You really only need about three to four weeks after planting these to get them ready to move outside. In fact, you don't want to start them any earlier than that. Once these plants get too far beyond their first set of true leaves, they're much more likely to suffer from severe transplant shock. It took me a really long time to learn this with my zucchini plants specifically. I would plant them inside and they'd take off and they'd look really healthy and then they'd get a couple more leaves while waiting for me to finish up planting my other plantings. I never thought they'd mind waiting a little bit longer because the bigger the plant, the better, right? But by the time I'd get them in the ground, they'd just sit there, sometimes for weeks without doing anything. And this is around the time that I just started direct sowing the seeds because they seemed to do so much better for me. It wasn't until later that I realized that curcubits, squash specifically, do not do well being transplanted after having more than two true leaves. And in some cases, they just won't end up producing anything at all. So these should be the last seeds that you start in the spring for transplanting outside. They get big fast. And if you think there's any chance of you getting them in the ground later than anticipated, start the seeds in some sort of growing medium that doesn't require you removing them from the pot. So a peat pot, a homemade newspaper pot, or a soil block that can just be dropped straight into the ground without disturbing the roots. You're much less likely to experience any transplant shock that way. So whether you're planting based on frost date or soil temperature, you should be able to schedule out when to plant your seedlings using the information provided in the last two episodes. Use frost date for cool weather crops. 
use soil temperature, maybe in combination with average air temperature, for your warm weather crops. And then count backwards from those dates to determine when you'll need to start your seeds. Mark these dates on your calendar, and then you won't be scrambling each week to look at seed packets and online resources to figure out what you need to start. I'll put a link in the show notes to a calculator created by Johnny's Seeds. It allows you to enter the date of your last expected frost, and it will calculate for you when to start the seeds and when to transplant outside. It shows you the date to start the seeds based on the setting out date. So this calendar can be used based on frost date for those cool weather crops, and then you can change the date to the anticipated planting date for your warm weather crops and use that as a guide for your seed starting dates. It might be a little bit easier than counting backwards on the calendar. Hey, don't forget to check out the updated website at JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com and sign up for the new newsletter. I'm going to start sending out monthly reminders by Hardiness Zone for what tasks you might need to be tackling in the garden that month, whether it's seed starting or transplanting or pruning, so you don't want to miss that. And don't forget, I also have a very special free download for you, my loyal listeners. I put together a garden planning primer to get you all ready to go for the upcoming gardening season. It's the 10 things you should be doing before you even start looking at those seed catalogs to get yourself and your garden ready to go and off on the right foot. You can get that download at JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash primer. That's JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash P-R-I-M-E-R to get that free guide. Thank you so much for listening today, and I will talk to you again next week. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something Podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to Patreon.com slash JustGrowSomething to find out how. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon. You've heard me talk about First Saturday Lime, the environmentally friendly alternative to pesticides that we use on our farm. We use it everywhere, in the gardens, in the chicken coops, in the pig pastures, and around the outside of our home. First Saturday Lime created a non-caustic formula that is tough on bugs, but totally safe for humans and pets. And now, as a listener of the Just Grow Something podcast, First Saturday Lime can be your favorite natural pest control, too. You can save 20% off your first order by using the code JUSTGROW at checkout at firstsaturdaylime.com. It's a super strong formula derived from eco-friendly products, and it's so effective, I have a 20-pound bag delivered every month to use on the first Saturday. Go to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code JUSTGROW for 20% off your first order.